of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. Hope everyone has had a solid week. I recharged over the weekend at Black Spire Outpost on Batu. 
or probably more commonly known as Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It was pretty incredible to be among people from my other big fandom, and better yet, see some really cool interactions because I saw little girls talking to Rey and this new awesome character, Fai Marathi, and it was just really awesome seeing some pretty important pop culture feminist characters in real life in ways that, you know, would otherwise be impossible. Um, the world is tough, but at least in a galaxy far, far away, I can get a little bit of a break and see some cool shit. <laughs> but uh, speaking of fandoms, I totally talked about a big one with this week's guests, Mary and Manny. The pair from Queen of Jeans joined to talk about some songs they'd consider writing for characters from The Office, putting together their incredible new record, If You're Not Afraid, I'm Not Afraid, and so much more. I have so much respect for Mary's songwriting, and it was such a treat to chat with her about it. So let's hear some more of Queen of Jeans and then dig into the interview. I can't do this anymore Feel like a waste of your time I push myself to match your pace and fall Love will always fuck you over Love 
welcome Mary and Maddie to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are you both doing? Hi, um, we're doing great, I think. We had a, well, I, I, I worked from home today, so I had it pretty easy, but we worked today. Yeah, just grocery shop for people, which is fun. That sounds fun. Well, high five to working from home. I did the same thing today. It was really nice. Relaxing, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a different pace too. I love it. The best part for me is having a dog on my lap the whole day. I can't go wrong with that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so exciting to be able to talk to you and stuff, especially with how much I've enjoyed Queen of Jeans for some time now. And it's really cool to be able to kind of, I feel like I'm one of the first people that gets to talk to you about this amazing record that you put together. Jamie dropped me an email. I don't, you haven't even actually announced it at the time of us recording, have you? No. no. Yeah. no you're <laughs> the first person we're talking to about it. <gasps> I feel honored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. If you're not afraid, I'm afraid it is amazing, everybody. By the time that you'll be hearing this, um, the record will be out. So this will be an awesome, exciting time. So I like that we have that excitement energy going here of like, being the first to know everything. <laughs> oh yeah, it's awesome. Definitely. Well, before we get into all the things with the record, I always like to kind of ask my guests about like, how'd you kind of first get into music? Was there like an artist or a band that got you really excited about it or even a person? Go ahead. Me? Yeah, sure. Um, I came up kind of listening to a lot of emo music. So I, I think Death Cab was the first band where so I didn't really like hear shreddy music and wanted to start playing guitar. I would hear songs like like Death Cab songs and I'd want to learn chords so I could try to like poorly sing, sing those songs. Um, <laughs> that was it for me, I think. But yeah. um, I guess mine, a, a little broader, um, like, I guess when I was younger, I listened to um, a lot of like 60s girl group music, but then I'd also listen to things like the Pretenders or Rilo Kylie, um, a lot of female-fronted artists, honestly. And I feel like even at a younger age, I don't know if it's just because I'm, I was always a little gay, but I feel like I would always gravitate towards artists that I either thought were gay or knew were out. So um, like even like early, early on, like Melissa Etheridge, Katie Lang, stuff like that, Tegan and Sarah, I was always kind of looking for that gay <laughs> that's so funny because like I feel like it's so special whenever you start to recognize or have this like inkling of somebody who can represent you in a space I think that's why like growing up for me I gravitated um I, they were harder for me to find but like a lot of bands that involved like women and people of color in that sense too I mean mm -hmm. being a kid of the 90s I mean we had the Riot Girl era that in itself was huge and then um just like any pop going back was just always influential in that sense. So that's kind of interesting. What what got you interested in the 60s in particular? I think I just really loved the harmonies. Yeah. Uh, that was like pretty much, because every movie you watch, you know, like in the 90s and stuff, like they are always referencing like 60s music and stuff, whether in the credits or so I hear like a lot of, a lot of stuff that way, like Be My Baby and all those songs. And then you get just, really into it and then I just want to sing them all and so I try to learn how to play them on the piano unsuccessfully. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I love that because it feels like with a lot of your music, you found a way to kind of modernize that sort of vibe. So that's really special. Yeah, I, I think I think you're exactly right in that way. It did kind of. I don't I don't think I mean for it to happen that way, but yeah, a lot of my stuff I guess is influenced by the sixties, seventies, um, and mm -hmm. then kind of yeah modernize it. Yeah, because it's like the dreamier qualities, the harmonies, all of that just like it's really nice and it's refreshing, especially in the kind of like landscape that we do have for like indie rock and indie pop right now. Definitely. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Did you, I know that um, Maddie mentioned like Death Cab being somebody that kind of stuck out as like a specific musician, but anybody else that really just influenced you specifically? There's this guitarist named Blake Mills that I went, do you know him? I don't think I've actually heard that name. Okay, so he's usually behind the scenes. He does a lot of producing. I think he did um, Alabama Shakes most recent album when they sort of like really changed their, their vibe, I felt. Um, mm -hmm. But I saw him like, gosh, like maybe seven or longer years ago with Fiona Apple and they were sort of trading songs and he was playing guitar and she was like playing on his songs and then I just like fell in love with his guitar playing and I think that was also around the time that I was trying to get serious about actually learning you know how to find my tone and um, become a better guitarist and have like a voice through my guitar and he just he plays it like it doesn't even sound like a guitar so mm. I think I've always sort of aspired to play more like him. I love that. I guess someone that I've been influenced by for a long time, who's like pretty modern, is Jenny Lewis. Um, mm. I've just always loved every project she's been involved in, all of her solo work. Um, and actually, funny enough, we just saw the um, Death Cab has been touring, and they brought Jenny Lewis out. And, uh, yeah. Because she's promoting her new album. And so that was like a dream show for both of us. We got like the best of both worlds out of that one. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's like a gorgeous lineup for starters. And then like just what talented artists to be able to experience in one space. Yeah. It was cool too because it was in Sayersville, New Jersey. It was like a okay. city tour. So it was totally different than going to a show in Philly. Like the whole, it seemed like the whole town just kind of came because somebody was in town. And like we went maybe 40 minutes after doors and there was a line like around the block. There are three get, lines. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Like, they separated the lines into three. Yeah. How'd they have it staged? Was it just like in a park or? No, it was in um, Starland Ballroom. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I knew that's, a, that's supposed to be a big venue, but still. Yeah. I mean, I think it was like maybe like a 2000 cap or so. Um, yeah. But it was, yeah, it was really cool to experience. Like, neither of us had seen either of them live before, and they're both sort of our, our younger day idols. So mm -hmm. it was cool. It was definitely special. I love that so much. Well, it's great that you get to be able to go to that kind of show and just experience that. Yeah, yeah. it was awesome. So, like, I know that this is going to sound like such a silly question, because whenever I first, a while back, heard your band name, Queen of Jeans, I don't know why I immediately did almost like this Fresh Prince of Bel-Air response to it, <laughs> where I was just like, how did you become the queen of jeans? 
it's funny people who aren't from philly are so confused by our band name like when we're on tour we've had people be like you guys aren't wearing jeans like <laughs> the big misconception is we're not like proclaiming ourselves like some sort of royalty of denim um, <laughs> it was a store in south philly it had this like huge gaudy sign and um i don't know philly is kind of like a city of underdogs like we just cling on to weird things and we make them like our iconic things because like we're not new york and we don't really have you know those staples that everyone wants to talk about so king of jeans kind of became one of those silly like inside jokes for south mm -hmm. philly it's this huge sign where like i want to play both a picture for you um because it's, it was a defunct jean store and it's this man like shirtless standing over this woman and it's kind of like hilarious, but it's also kind of like suggestive in a gross way. I um, have to say he was shirtless. No, he is, look. He is? Yeah, I don't know if you can see that. Oh, kind of, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> and it's like huge and it was there forever oh, right. after they were closed. I bet you blocked that out. I, I know. <laughs> It's one of those things where everybody like clings onto it and then you think about it later and you're like, actually, it's kind of a horrible message. Um, <laughs> but when we were tearing it down finally, um, we thought we would reclaim it and we would be king of jeans and just sort of flip that misogynistic image for ourselves. I love that. Well, I like that it was something that was like a staple of your community and you were able to kind of like help that live on in that sense through your band in some way. and make it a little less inappropriate, suggestive image. <laughs> You're doing something completely different. <laughs> I love that so much. So you've worked on so much music since 2016, releasing a bunch of EPs. This is your second record, if I'm, if I'm understanding right. Yes. Yeah, we have one EP and one LP. Oh. Awesome, awesome. So. Um, you've changed your sound a little bit here and there, but I'm kind of wondering what's been your approach to songwriting on this record? Um, this record was definitely, um, different than the other ones for sure. Um, I think I got a little more personal than I ever have before. Um, you know, with, with the election and stuff, it was, I already was feeling really anxious and, uh, pretty, uh, afraid and down and then also um you know my mom had cancer for four years and um she actually passed away um in december uh right before we went into the studio so, oh wow i'm sorry for your loss well, thank you so really it was uh i think it was all of those things kind of under the surface for a while um and so when writing the album that's kind of when you know, I, I, I guess I kindly, I kind of opened up a bit more than I think I have in the past. And mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's, it's a little heavier, I guess, in that sense. Definitely. It feels like it's a lot of um, confronting the climate, but also a lot of just kind of finding ways to kind of take care of yourself. Is that something that you were kind of trying to project as like maybe one of the themes in the record? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, writing for me has always been very cathartic anyway. Mm -hmm. and I have a, um, an easier time, I think, expressing myself through songwriting than anything else. Um, and so um, it, was, it was kind of a necessary thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, um, 
I think in ways like, yes, because it was so cathartic, um, it, there are heavier things to think about and, and there's scary things to think about, but yeah, there is that kind of um, uh, relief in there as well. Yeah, I can imagine so. And um, I could almost feel a little bit of that in that sense. It's like you have a lot of upbeat energy in some of these songs in the record too, but it felt like it was kind of a healing experience for you. Um, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I was really, I was fortunate enough actually that I had like all these demos that I made before we went in. So my mom actually did get to hear the record. Oh, wow. I, um, it changed a little bit obviously once we once we went in there and worked with um, our producer but um, to know that she heard the songs it, it means a lot yeah definitely I mean if it's not too personal to ask like what did she think did she say anything to you about the record oh she loved it my mom was like my biggest fan I could do anything she would be um, oh. pleased with it but yeah she um the one thing that she always said was um, how much my my voice um, calmed her. So mm -hmm. she did actually listen to it a, a lot. Wow, that's really wonderful to hear. And I feel like it's special that your mom had those feelings toward your voice and everything. But I feel like I experienced that a lot listening to your record too. Because I mean, for me to get personal here, I actually was having a pretty rough week dealing with a lot of microaggressions socially and everything. And it was just a lot, but like, because I was sitting here listening to record and processing it, it made it a little bit easier to cope with all that. And it was just really refreshing because you have this, like, first of all, the inflection of your voice is amazing. Do you have like formal vocal training? Uh, not really, no. I was in choir as a kid, but no, I really don't have it. Wow. I, it sounds like you have just because it, you're just the way that you just deliver with your voice is just phenomenal. And it's really just striking because maybe it's also the way that the rest of the instruments kind of come together with it. But throughout all the songs on the record, it just felt very soothing, even in the most upbeat circumstances. Thank you. I, I really do appreciate that. Definitely. And like, I loved listening to songs like Tell Me. It was so much fun. And it felt <laughs> like it was like a, a good, like soft kind of like protest ballad in a way. Was that something that you were kind of going for? Yeah, it's definitely like sneakily political. Yeah. I, I wrote the song over a period of time. Um, I think I wrote I wrote part of it um, like right after the election, basically. Mm -hmm. I think at that point it was pretty funny because when I wrote it, I still kind of, it felt like it couldn't get as bad as we were imagining, mm -hmm. but it has. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's definitely, you know, then I, I continue to write. So it, it's kind of in that way, like it, a little bit split emotionally. So you have like that first half, which feels pretty cheeky. Um, mm -hmm. And then um, the second half's a little bit more of a vulnerable kind of uh, reaction and expression of like my fear and um, isolation and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. And I loved like throughout that song and Throughout the record, I hear things like, you know, you can't sign away my rights and stuff like that. That was so important because I feel like um, these are powerful images that a lot of people are being confronted with right now, whether it's in the media or sometimes it's even more direct than that in that sense. So did it feel, how did it feel for you to kind of be able to get that out there? Um, it, it felt 
really good uh, from from a standpoint of as a songwriter because mm -hmm. I think it's really very hard and I think this is something I I mean I love like everything that we've done mm -hmm. in the past but I do think that I feel stronger as a songwriter now having written this album because mm -hmm. I think you're always kind of until you like experience uh, like a real kind of grief or maybe like a terror and or like real feeling of isolation or hopelessness mm -hmm. um it's really hard not to just continue to mask like how you actually feel and i think that i i do that a lot you know we're human we all do it i guess um but i was doing that in my writing before and this album's the first album where i I, I'm really not hiding anything. It's exactly how I feel. So. I love that. And it's so amazing that you were able to do that lyrically in that sense. Um, Maddie, did you feel like you got to do that instrumentally at some points too? Yeah, actually. Um, I mean, we're, you kind of pointed out the difference between our older music and what we're doing now. And I think we've really found a common ground, the three of us. Um, you know, I mentioned that I grew up on emo music and she grew up listening to like, I don't know, respectively, like, you know, universally people would say that's like a strong song. There's, you know, a lot going on there. Whereas emo maybe more is um, just like a focused amount of people mm -hmm. really get it. And other people, you know, might not consider all of, you know, all of you know what I'm trying to say is that <laughs> we had a very different upbringing musically. And it's funny because now like she's gotten, she got me to sort of retroactively like the 60s stuff. And I got her to sort of retroactively like some of the emo stuff I came up on. And Patrick, our drummer, is kind of similar to me. And I feel like we finally all like joined together in a way that didn't sound disjointed. Mm -hmm. And on our old records, like my favorite songs would just be the songs that she sang by herself because there was like an emotional quality to it that felt really cathartic to me. But mm -hmm. on this one, there's somewhere I feel like we all reached that level. And it's still, I still get the same comfort of like her singing alone in a room, but we're all in there like contributing to it. Um, so that felt amazing, honestly. Yeah, definitely. Because at that point, you're kind of you're contributing to each other's comfort, it sounds like, personally, as well as musically, and that's a very rare and special gift to have. Yeah, for sure. It feels great. Like, whenever we play those new songs, like, we've been rehearsing for our next tour, mm -hmm. and it just, it feels good every time. Like, it feels like I'm getting something out. I love that so much. Well, I mean, I mentioned a song that I really love, of course, and, like, I'm a big fan of Get Lost. I got a hold of your music video ahead of time, which is really awesome, by the way. Um, but I want to ask you about like your favorite songs, which ones were your favorite to write and record on? If you're not afraid, I'm not afraid. Um, I'm, I'm really proud of all of them, which is the first for me. I really, I'm, as I, as I said, like, I'm, I'm really proud. I, I am really proud of, of everything we've done in the past, but, um, I, I kind of have the same, and that it's with most music that I have kind of written in the past, but once I finish it I, I don't want to listen to it ever again mm -hmm. um I don't feel that way about this album and maybe oh, wow. like a lot of it you know is more raw and parts of it you know a lot of it reminds me of my mom and stuff mm -hmm. too so I, I I enjoy it actually but I guess my 
favorite one. I really loved um, how Not Enough to Sue turned out. Um, that's probably one of my favorites. Um, I worked really closely with Tatcha Drum and Drum Parts, so that was pretty cool because I've never really done that before. Um, yeah, didn't you like? I think she literally recorded finger drums on the iPad. I did. <laughs> but like five different tracks. So I made like a near impossible drum part, but he's that good that he was able to actually do it for real. Wow. Props to Patrick then to be able to like learn that. <laughs> yeah. He's a good dude. Yeah. Um, that was probably my favorite. Um, and I just really, I love the melody. I really like only obvious to you because it's fun to say the F word. Yes, always. <laughs> and also that song really did kind of just come naturally. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't, I don't really have a method of songwriting, I guess. Like, it kind of, I don't like to force anything. So that one was so easy for me to write. Um, it just kind of came out immediately. And I feel like every time we play it, people um, really enjoy it. So hopefully that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, what kind of comes first for you though, typically? Is it, do you usually have the music or the lyrics come out? Um, lately, it's mm -hmm. music. Um, most of the time, like, like I said, it's kind of just, it's very random. So I could even just kind of be, you know, chilling at home on the couch and like a little melody comes to my head. Mm -hmm. So then at that point, like if, I kind of like, if I can, I'll like find my guitar and I'll try to um, kind of work it out. Mm -hmm. And the lyrics come last generally, but then there are some times where a thought just pops into my head and I kind of rip off that and I write some stuff down and then I write around that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's different every time, I guess. I love that. Well, to backtrack here for a second too, Maddie, do you have a favorite song on the record that you got to work on? I think Take It All Away mm -hmm. is sort of what I was describing earlier in, in that it feels like something really cathartic and I just, I love the way it came together. I hope people listen. It's a long LP. I hope they listen all the way through to the end because that one is definitely my favorite. Mm -hmm. I love it too. It was just a nice closure to the record. Stop scratching. Sorry, my dog's little collar. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I just love the way that record closes and I like the pacing of it all too because it's like you have these like shorter songs, you have the longer ones that just feel like there's a lot of instrumentation to it. So it's just a really, I love long records. I think that they're fun because there's so much more to enjoy. 20 minute records always kill me because I'm just like, that was great, but now I gotta listen to it like 40 times. <laughs> For sure. I mean, everyone uh, sort of says, Oh, attention spans are short you should shorten the record but we just didn't want to so we just indulged <laughs> ourselves in all the songs and we're all really happy actually with how it, how it turned out I love that and like just the the emotions that are packed into it the subject matter that gets explored and everything that's it's something that made me want to go all the way to the end and just leave it on repeat and just keep listening through it that's something that I love about your music though because like even dig yourself I did that a lot too that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. It's yeah. so nice to hear feedback from someone that isn't, you know, my family. <laughs> <laughs> yep. really yeah, well, you'll probably get to, you'll get to hear more before you know it. That's for sure. 
Are you excited to have this record out into the world? Oh my gosh, yes. I'm really excited. I really recorded this in January, so it feels like uh, forever ago. Um, ah. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for people to hear it and, you know, hear the differences, and I really hope they like it. Mm-hmm. I really, um, I enjoyed that, like you mentioned, the whole, like, for you personally, it's a lot of healing, it's a lot of catharsis and exploration of stuff that you've gone through over the last year. Um, but I'm kind of wondering too, um, what is something maybe you want your listeners to get out of the record? Um, I guess, like, you know, as I mentioned, yeah, um, exploring my grief in the album, uh, it felt like I was writing things like a lot differently than I have in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I was willing to take some more risks and um, kind of embrace all my vulnerabilities. So I guess like I kind of hope that in hearing, you know, this story that, you know, that it will hopefully encourage like other people to listen to their own as well. And, um, you know, to speak out and, you know, talk to people and express themselves and, you know, because all we really have is each other. (laughs) That's for sure. I, I just like that because you were so vulnerable, I feel like it's very encouraging for other people to not only be vulnerable, but listen to people who are vulnerable. Yeah. That was like one of the things that kind of stood out to me, just knowing your intentions and the subject matter that you're talking about these situations where, you know, you do have this awareness of like, you know, there are marginalized people who are going through a lot of terrible shit right now. And mm-hmm. that that's some of the things that you kind of bring up throughout the record in that sense too. So like, it's, um, it's a good record for just listening to your experiences and then like almost have that thought of like listening to others too. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So um, I really loved your video for Get Lost. It looked like you had a lot of fun, especially smashing some stuff there. I cut my face. You did? For real. Wow, what a sacrifice for art. (laughs) (laughs) A little nip, a little nip. I had like a, a little mark for a couple of days, felt pretty bad. Oh my gosh, that's wild. Was that whenever the bat went and hit everything or what happened? It's a, I think the shot did make the video. It's when um, the, the glass vase was smashed by the golf club. Okay. That and then a little piece hit me in my face. And then after that, I was like, okay, no more. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> I love that. Was that just some like loft in Philly? Yeah. Yes. Um, it was, was a warehouse space. Yeah. Okay. Nice. It looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was cool. It was fun. It was scarier than I had anticipated. The breaking stuff, yeah. <laughs> we like when they were like, oh, this is going to be so great. Visually, yeah. it's going to be stunning. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> All the glitter and balloons are like, okay, I'll do it this way too. <laughs> That's a little bit gentler than like glass. And it's not yeah. like you can do like the protective goggles because you have to have like the aesthetic of it. So. Oh, we wore safety goggles. Oh, you did? Oh, good. Safety first, but it was still scary. But not, not, not safe enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, it's cool because this is such a cool, like, visual video that I feel like kicks this record off nicely, but I love all of your music videos that you've done because, like, uh, I love the kind of 
this is near and dear to my heart because of it being the 10 things I hate about you. But um, damn, you do a great Heath Ledger <laughs> for You Are My Guy. Uh, agreed. That was fun. That was really fun. We choreographed that too <laughs> in our living room. Yeah. <laughs> How much practice did you have to do for that? Um, I well, cut his ass a lot. <laughs> I feel like you got it pretty quickly. I guess so, Even yeah. in the video, you can tell I'm just trying so hard, but so far behind on the dancing. <laughs> <laughs> because like we had an audience. And, uh, it's always it's so much harder to dance in front of like your friends that are just like kind of there to laugh at you. Yeah. Yeah, you could tell that they had fun just like laughing and enjoying everything that you were doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that so much because like uh, my podcast is named is a Ten Things I Hate About You reference, so. I didn't even realize that. But I love the podcast name. Like when Jamie hit us up about it, I was like, that describes us so well. Like we are angry, but you can't <laughs> tell because we're indie pop oriented. <laughs> angry indie pop. I love it. I love it so much. And it, yeah, I just, I love it whenever you can tie things in like that. It makes it so much fun. Um, well, and especially with all the videos that you do, it just looks like you have such a great time doing all of that. Um, what do you like about making the videos? Is it just the experience? Is it, you've worked with the same director for every one of them, it seems like too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bob Sweeney. Mm -hmm. He's an awesome dude. He works with a lot of bands in Philly. Oh yeah? Yeah, and he, I think he just has a passion for doing it. I mean, that. He'll be working on multiple music videos every single day. I don't think it takes ever. Um, and he just is down for whatever weird ideas we have. Like, I remember when we were in the studio, we ended up changing this idea, um, trying to rein it in a little, be a little less campy. But I had texted him, could you find us an animatronic band? And immediately he was like, I'm on it. <laughs> so, so funny. Yeah, he's just really ride or die in that way. Um, so I think we have fun because we'll just cook up ideas and he'll just be down to make it work with us. Um, but for this album, you know, because we have grown a lot in a lot of ways and the subject matter is so much more heavy and personal to us, we tried to like not lean into every campy indulgence and sort mm -hmm. of, um, you know, you'll see moments of our, our humor in there, but moreover, it's, you know, a more serious message. So we aren't going as, um, jokey with the videos no that makes sense especially for what you're tackling musically at that point it only makes sense do you have other videos that are up and coming that you can talk yeah. about I should I should go ahead and ask that yeah well this is coming out when the album's out right yes around. yeah um so we just worked on one for all the same uh which is going to be the second single and um basically the premise is that Mary's been broken up with and she's out on the curb and Patrick and I come along almost in like a Christmas carol sense showing her what her life would be like if she walks away in that moment mm -hmm. and she is sort of like in all these scenarios singing the song around all these happy couples and you're not really sure if they can see her or not um mm -hmm. until the ending scene where she um a couple is just making out over her and then you get the you realize that maybe she's not they can't see her um 
and at the end, you know, she's back on the curb. So we sort of wondered, did she ever really leave or not? And we haven't seen it yet. We filmed it like last week, but I'm really psyched on that one. I hope it turns out as cool as we imagined. <laughs> I love that so much. It was really fun to film. We got a lot of like really, you know, cute friends and some were real couples, some were just friends acting and it was really fun. We crammed it all in like 10 hours, like maybe seven locations. Like it was crazy. But Oh, wow. Yeah. And everyone did so well too. Even the people, even the people that were not couples, like by the end, I found myself wishing they were. They, were really, <laughs> they really sold it. So yeah, I can't wait to see it. Nice. <laughs> Makes it fun when you've got that kind of talent. And like one of the things that I really like that I noticed throughout your videos is like you try to have diversity in mind and stuff and representation. Like the whole like plot twist at the end of like you are my guy, of course. It's like knowing your band, it, it, it fits so beautifully in that sense. But of course, like the fact that you do that intentionally with every form of the art that you're working on, the video, the music itself, that's really important. And that's so cool that you keep that in mind. Thank you. Thanks. I love it so much. Well, um, so Jamie mentioned to me that you are fans of The Office. Like how big a fans of The Office? So we have watched it through probably four to five times. Nice. Yeah, at least, I think, at this point. You definitely have. Yeah. I think maybe I, I maybe just two times. Okay. But That's so funny. I love that. So the, since you've seen it at least a few times, I'm kind of wondering, which character are you? Whoa. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. Jamie's going to be so thrilled when she hears this. <laughs> well, Jamie, actually... I'll give you time to think about okay. this story. Um, she took us to see the Dunder Mifflin parking lot when we were in LA. What? And honestly felt emotional. I was like, this is crazy. Like, <laughs> that we've like watched that's happened here, like the snowball fight and everything. It was cool. Jamie's the best. And I was like, it was probably one of my favorite touring experiences of her taking us It there. was really so much fun. Yeah. I love that. For sure. It was a great fun experience. We love you, Jamie. <laughs> what character? Oh god, I don't know. Probably Oscar. Because I'm always like, Oscar. just like kind of watching everyone, like, what the fuck is on them? <laughs> Oscar's um, the best. <laughs> um, I think you're. You? I think you're a Pam. Pam. Yeah. Are you a Jim? I'd like to think of myself as a nicer Jim. <laughs> that would never uh, I love Jim he does do some things that you look at yeah. and you have a queen like Pam around and you're like really really Jim um <laughs> yeah I like to think of myself as a Jim but I'm I'm probably a Meredith I'm probably a <laughs> you're not a <laughs> you don't I love that so much oh damn <laughs> what are you yeah. Uh, I have to say, I'm probably, I'm a Stanley minus the adultery. Okay. I think I'm probably that in like an Oscar. That's a good mix. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at because I can do like the dry, sarcastic delivery the way that Stanley does. Yeah. 
like so much, especially when I'm at work. I realize I've been watching The Office too much lately because I'm starting to kind of emulate characters here and there when I'm in like my workspace. <laughs> I work in a corporate workspace. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to, I need to chill out a bit here. Or, or like, I will catch my coworkers making faces at me and I'm like, oh my God, I feel like we're in the office right now. <laughs> we need to stop. Oh my God, I've been there. I've been there so bad. Oh my gosh. I would try to emulate though more like Aubrey Plaza's character. Mm-hmm. Parks From Parks and Rec, Rec yeah. <laughs> I am like the least broody person, but at work, I like, if someone came up to me, I would just give them a dead Aubrey Plaza stare. <laughs> oh, same. Like, my Parks and Rec character 1,000% is April. <laughs> I love that so much. We're gonna get along great. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cool. Well, I had another office-related question that I just wanted to sneak in here, too, just because we're already on it. Um, if you could write a song for a character, who would it be? Well, the best song office related character song has already been written. Yeah, that's true. Which is Hunters. <laughs> that's a beautiful song. We actually our friends have been asking us to cover that for so long. Yeah. We we should. It's yeah. the best song ever. <laughs> <laughs> the dinner party where she's dancing. Yes. <laughs> so good. What would you write a song for? I feel like I would write a song for like a Toby or a creep. Really Toby good. deserves a song. Toby, that's <laughs> a, poor to, I, every time I watch an episode, I'm just like, poor Toby. He doesn't deserve this shit. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you do feel really bad for him. Toby's the office emo. He is, yeah. <laughs> he probably loves him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Toby would totally stay in Queen of Jeans, that's for sure. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, did you see that theory? Which one? That Toby might be the Scranton Strangler. He seemed a little too excited during the trial. Yeah. Someone <laughs> wrote an article like insinuating that there's evidence throughout the whole show that he's actually <laughs> which would be crazy. That's my giant question, though, at that point is, is, like, how did he not strangle Michael at some point? <laughs> True. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, the whole thing with his, like, obsession over Pam even creepier. Yeah. It makes it, makes it a little bit more cringy. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Maybe Toby doesn't get a song. I don't know. <laughs> We're taking back your song, Toby. <laughs> I love it. Well, one of the things I always like to ask um, my guests toward the end of the show is if you could pick any three artists or bands that can be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead, who would they be? Pick them to play a show with? Yeah. Well, I, I have to say Jay Lewis or, or like Rilo Kiley, maybe we'll bring them back out of, out of retirement. Um, who else do I, if we ever could play a show with St. Vincent, I think I'd lose my mind. I don't think you'd be able to play. Mm-mm. I'd be <laughs> Just like jaw dropped trying to hold a guitar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But 
still, that would be incredible. I think I love her so much. Mm -hmm. Who's yeah. up there? Ava. <laughs> that would be amazing. I don't think my heart could handle that kind of lineup. Did <laughs> <laughs> you do the Spotify um, festival thing that was going around? Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Was ABBA on yours? <laughs> it wasn't on there, but I feel like it was similar to what we just described. I think it was on mine. <laughs> was it on yours? <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm cute. I ABBA when I, when I work out. <laughs> That's beautiful. Well, like, part of the reason why I like to ask my guests about that is because I always end up seeing people on these really awesome tours that just come out of left field. And it's usually because of a ton of hard work that the artists are putting in and stuff. So it's my positive vibe to the universe that you get to play with Jenny Lewis. Well, thank, thank you. Because that would be amazing. I, I would have, I would fly to see that. That's for sure. <laughs> She's such a dream. Right? Such an amazing performer. Mm -hmm. Not really good live, so she's a huge inspiration for me. I love that. Well, you've got a busy rest of this year, it seems like, ahead with If You're Not Afraid, I'm Not Afraid dropping and everybody finally getting to hear it and stuff. What else, what else is like ahead for Queen of Jeans? So we're leaving for our next tour in a couple of weeks. Um, that's with the Menzingers and mm -hmm. the Psychics. Um, and then after that, we're going to do some headline shows, just a few in September to support the album. And then we're going out in the fall, but I don't know when that's being announced. Yeah. Um, but we will definitely have a fall tour. Um, yeah. Yay. After that, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. Well, well, I'll be keeping my eyes peeled for some Florida dates. I know you've been through here before, so I got to make sure that I get to the gig next time for sure. Definitely. The first show we play, played in Florida was one of my favorite shows we've ever played. And I think we played at like 4 p.m. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh gosh, what is this going to be like? And everyone was so receptive and mm -hmm. cool and psyched. Like it, hands down, is like one of my favorite places to play. It's so fun there. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, spots like um, Tampa and Orlando, even Miami are always really good for like those kind of shows because people just get excited about music. Yeah, it felt like that. You know, like sometimes you play as an opener in, you know, a city where there's a vibe, you know, where they're just there to see the headliner. And, you know, of course, some people are receptive and some aren't. But sometimes you play cities like when we played in Florida, and it just seems like everyone's really open to whatever's going on. And they're just open to have a good time and not, you know, just crossing their arms and mm -hmm. texting or, you know, whatever. You know, you know what happens sometimes with people that aren't there to see you. Um, and we just really appreciate that. It's not, it's really refreshing to be around people that just are excited about music in general and are open-minded. I love that. Yeah, I'm so glad that you had that great of experience because people can get jaded. I feel like, and I've heard this from folks from larger cities and larger areas and stuff where it's like if their show's going on like all the time, there's not as much sometimes interest to see b different bands. And I always think that's a shame because like, I mean, we get a decent amount of bands that come down here, but it's like, I I would not know what to do with myself if there was so much music. I'd just be probably in a constant state of bliss <laughs> if we had everybody coming down here all the time. But <laughs> but I think that's why people get so excited when bands come through, because it's like, oh yeah, you're finally here and we can yeah. really pop off. 
That's true. That's awesome. Like one of my favorite shows as well was on our very first tour and it was in Albuquerque of all mm -hmm. places. And some people in the crowd actually knew the words to our songs so for the oh, first time ever. And I was like, this is wild. This is our first tour. And it was, I think it is just because they don't, they're not overexposed to music. They really just appreciate shows and they, you know, they'll look up the bands and get into it. And that's beautiful. Definitely. That makes it so much fun. I'm sure for you, especially. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it's been so awesome talking to you both. I'm really excited for everybody to hear the brand new record. Glad that we got to have this conversation before everybody else. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Where can everybody keep up with Queen of Jeans on the internet? You can find us on Instagram. It's just Queen of Jeans. Um, we have a website, queenofjeans.net. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Queen of Jeans, PHL. Yeah, Twitter's, Twitter's good. LinkedIn. <laughs> I think that's it. Um, our Tinder handle. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. Well, everybody <laughs> have to make sure they give you all the follows and make sure that they find your music. It's pretty much on all streaming apps, right? Yes. Awesome. Buy a record too. <laughs> that's always important. Buy stuff. Please, please. That way Queen of Jeans can tour everywhere. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining. Thank you. I
Queen of Jeans. Thank you so much to Mary and Maddie for joining me to talk about their new record and to Jamie for setting it all up. Be sure to check out If You're Not Afraid, I'm Not Afraid on August 23rd, available through Top Shelf Records. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with me online. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for regular updates. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Want to tell me what you think of the podcast? Leave a review on any of the apps. I'd love to hear from you. For more news, thoughts, feels, or just all the podcast episodes, please visit angrygirlmusic.com. I'm always booking guest spots, so hit me up at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com. Whether you write and play music, run a blog, take photos, work in publicity or book shows, this can be a space for you. Send me a link to your work and let's chat. Till next time, stay angry and find some inspiration in the fandoms you love. Thank you.